Good morning, good afternoon or good evening. You are listening to the Interplast Insights podcast. My name's Dave Gray and I'm the head of content at Interplast Insights and also British Plastics and Rubber magazine. So what's this podcast all about? Well, many listeners will of course be familiar with Interplast, the triannual plastics trade show which takes place at the NEC in Birmingham. Um, you might also be familiar with BPNR magazine and we hope that you enjoy reading the magazine if you do receive it. Um, But this year we wanted to introduce something extra on a regular basis which can help you stay connected with the industry and also give more of an in-depth look at some of the issues affecting the plastic sector. Um, Obviously sustainability plays a big part in that and over the course of the series we're going to be talking to some key players who are going to explain how the sector can adapt to the challenges that it faces today. We'll also be looking at engineering skills and talent, design and innovation, as well as policy, regulation. Um, Each episode we're going to have at least one guest from the sector of the industry who's going to sit down and chat with us in a way that I think will be genuinely insightful and useful for you listening at home. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our first guest of the podcast, Richard Brown. Um, Who is Richard? Well, he is a liveryman and a freeman of the City of London, and he's a member of the Worshipful Company of Horners. Um, He's just been appointed to the role of Chairman of the Horners Polymer Committee, and he's also Chairman of the Judges for the Horners Design Innovation in Plastics competition, which is the longest-running student plastics design award in Europe. Uh, This is why I wanted to get him to come onto the podcast, really. Um, He's got many years of experience in design, operations, engineering and sales management in both the public and private sectors. He's currently running his consultancy RJ Consulting and is also the Projects Director at Sierra 57 Consult. And in both of these roles he does offer support, training and consultancy services to the injection moulding industry. Prior to that he was MD at RJG Technologies, previously GNA Moulding Technology. And he's also served as Operations Director at High Technology Group and Managing Director of High Technology Moulding Slovakia. Richard also founded the design consultancy Marlite Developments back in 1977, which merged with the High Technology Group in 2000. Now, what you're about to hear is a conversation that Richard and I had on the 16th of February 2022, because I had gotten in touch with him over LinkedIn to find out more about his work with the Worshipful Company of Horners, having just learned that he'd been appointed chairman of the Polymer Committee. So um, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Um, there's lots of activity going around your name and um, lots of people were sharing things as part of my network. So I dropped you an invitation. Um, And what they were sharing about was your um, recent appointment to the role of chairman of the Polymer Committee with the Worshipful Company of Horners. So um, just to kick us off, could you tell us a little bit about the the, uh, Worshipful Company of Horners and then we can talk more about um, your your new role with the Polymer Committee. Okay, well, the Worshipful Company of Horners goes back a long way in history to when it was the Worshipful Companies that established the apprenticeship and the guild of trades. So Horn was a precursor to plastics. So the worship company were in the city. Uh, there were liverymen and freemen, a part of it. And uh, it moved from there. And today it's a charitable organisation that looks to promote education and technology within the city and the surrounding country. So we have a lot of initiatives going on. So I was involved with the Horners 
as the chair of the student design competition initially, but not a Horner. So I was invited to become a freeman of the city by the Rushmore Company and then became a liveryman of the company. Uh, as a freeman, we get the right to drive sheep over London Bridge once a year, <laughs> organised by the Rushmore Company of Woolman. So I've taken up that opportunity and it's a great occasion for socialising and meeting other people within the liveries of the city. What a unique, what a unique ability to have! But um, oh yeah, I am pleased to hear that you've you've taken up your um, your right. Um, so, what else does the um, you know what kind of initiatives you mentioned that the Worshipful Company of Horners is involved in lots of different initiatives? What kinds of things um, are they involved with at the moment? Well, the the Polymer Committee are responsible for awards and education. So uh, you're aware from your past of the Horners Award for Plastics Innovation and Design that is promoted at Interplas. Uh, that has just been launched at the moment for this year's entries, along with the Bottle Makers Award that is also goes back in the history of the company to bottle makers. Mm-hmm. And that again is another award that is promoted and supported by the Worship Company of Horners. You know, at the end of the day, the, the role of the Horners is more it's a charitable organization it's more about what we as liverymen can give back to our profession being the plastics industry and that's why i'm active within the uh, worshipful company is not what can i get from being a member of the worship company haulers but what can i give back to the industry and uh, provide education towards it so uh, another area that the uh, company I'm involved in is the Design Innovation in Plastic Student Design Award. That's been going since 1985 and we have in excess of 150 entries a year to look through, uh, which we then pull down to six finalists and those finalists are then met by the judges and then we have an award ceremony at the uh, Painters Hall, which is the Hall where the worship company of Horners meet. So again, it it's an opportunity for universities in the UK and Ireland to raise the profile of their students. And we've got some real, really good, uh, talented designers coming out of our universities within the UK. And it's a privilege to be part of that. So I see what I'm doing is giving back a lot of what I've learned through the time within the industry. Yeah, we, we've actually seen some of the winners go on to take their product to market. And that is something Brilliant. we as judges, we try to mentor past the final judging. The students can keep in touch with us on that. So um, what talk me through some of the past winners in, in kind of recent years. Obviously, I've been away from the industry for a few years, so um, I've missed a few. Right. The yeah, the Trunky Case is a past winner. Oh, really? Oh, brilliant. Going back years. My daughter has one. <laughs> yeah, so that's one. Uh, the We had the musical instruments, which was built up by separate keys to make chords, and that has now gone to marketplace as well on that. Uh, a young lady designed a clip for a sur single for a horse. Her background was she was a rider, she felt the sur single clips weren't as good as they should be, so she developed that product. A previous winner 
three years ago, designed a item to put on cycle wheels that would take carbon out of the air when the cyclist is riding. So there was a filter there. So it was looking at environments. So every year we have a different subject that the uh, students have to work towards. Mm. Fantastic. And so what's the what's the subject for this year? Subject this year is healthcare. Fantastic. Okay. So again, that the students will be working on that now, and our, our judging is in the first tranche is in end of March. Very topical. Um, very topical and very timely. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We we also support education through polymer study tours. So as a charitable organisation, we're able to. Uh, invest in the science study tours whereby it's a residential course for teachers to learn about the polymer industry because it's important that teachers understand what is outside the four walls of the school yeah by bringing science and technology teachers in for a week's learning about polymers what goes into it they can do a tour of a, a facility as well whilst they're there and again it gives them good quality information and knowledge of polymers and plastics and the importance because at the end of the day plastics gets a very bad rap in the uh, Mm. press and it's not so much about the plastics it's about the way we as individuals discard and dispose of the plastic trying to get some of that across to people as well definitely and i want to i want to touch on that more um in a moment but um just on the education side of things do you think that um do you think that the education system uh the secondary education system in particular is doing enough to um kind of develop an interest in the plastics industry among young people i think the problem with the education side is they're more focused on the statistics of what they're achieving right it's the there is quite often a lack of real-world input to education on materials, engineering. You know, engineering is seen is a, a word that is abused. Yeah. You know? An engineer spends a lot of time being educated. If you look at the West German system, an engineer is respected. When you look at the UK system, an engineer doesn't have the same sort of respect as an engineer in, in Europe. And again, that is really down to society. Yeah, and what? But what can we do to kind of um, keep? You know, obviously we can we can keep banging the drum from our side. But but what kind of tangible things do you think members of the industry could do to kind of help with a bit? I guess a bit of reputation management. Well, a lot of it is training. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lack of investment in training. Now, some of that goes back to government policy on education. You know, when I started my career in engineering, I did an apprenticeship, which was four years on the job training to learn my skills and trade. Uh, the government, in their wisdom, closed down the training schools. They then removed technical colleges, removed polytechnics. So we had red brick universities and grey universities, and Basically, it's it's a mishmash of where you get the education from. Not everybody is capable of going to university and mm. excelling. 
some people are more hands-on and excel in that way. And some students are late developers. And the system isn't there to support them. Yeah. No. Um, and I think, you know, as well, looking at the history of, of engineering qualifications, sadly, they have been, you know, their, their value, I guess, societal value has been downgraded over the years, which is, um, you know, a big part of this issue. So uh, does the plastics industry have a responsibility to try and work with government and policymakers on that? Well, a lot of that is done through our federation, the British Plastics Federation. Mm-hmm. They're our voice in the government to put forward the stance of plastics in society, and they're doing that at the moment. Now, another initiative that the Horners are getting involved in is the environment and plastics in the environment through the city. So, again, it's, it's important that we have a voice and we yeah. can have that voice heard. You know, the, another initiative the Horners do is a web-based teaching on fantastic plastics. And again, it's an interactive e-learning resource, and that is supported. We also promote physics. So we have the Sorters Horners Advanced Physics Award. That's in partnership with another Washington company, the Washington Company of Sorters. So again, it's important that as a Washington company, we recognise our role in education and promoting the skills. Mm. Part of that is uh, we support the Polymer Apprentice of the Year Award. Uh, That's ourselves and the British Plastics Federation. And each year it recognises the commitment of apprentices within the industry. And again, I think by getting that sort of recognition, an individual takes pride in what they've done and they can excel more. Mm. So as a company, anyone that the students or apprentice wins an award, we offer them mentorship through members of the court. So they get a mentor to help them if they need to ask a question, to get any advice on career direction, etc. Oh, that's just fun. I mean, it really is fantastic because that's, you know, I, I imagine that there is so much, um, you know, we, we know that there is so much talent and skill in this country. And we know that also a lot of the time, that gets thwarted by barriers to entry, you know, or perceived barriers to entry into the market and um, the inability to connect with the right people. So it's fantastic to hear that the the company is doing, um, taking that initiative. Um, That's really good. You touched on sustainability. Um, Thinking about, in particular, thinking about the um, Bottle Makers Award, um, you know, plastic bottles are one of the, one of the kind of culprits I guess for or or they've been one of the targets in the mainstream media for kind of um negative conversation around um single-use plastics um obviously plastic bottles don't have to be single-use but um how does the Horners Award kind of focus on sustainability um well that is one one of the areas that the judges look at uh, long-term sustainability. Now, it's a criteria we push within the student design competition. We want to know sustainability, the environmental impact of what they're doing, mm-hmm. and it's the same within the other awards. It, it's important that environmental impact and sustainability is considered at the start of the design phase. Yeah. 
this is the life cycle for the plastics. And again, the BPF have brought out some very good uh, literature on sustainability of plastics. And within the student design competition, the headline sponsor at the moment, Covestro, also pushed quite hard on sustainability going forward. Fantastic. That's really good. That's really good. Um, Richard, uh, moving on from your work with the Worshipful Company, um, you also uh, kind of you, you, you have your own consultancy um, and you've also kind of been popping up a lot on LinkedIn um, recently in relation to some news about Sierra 57 Consult, which is your um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a uh, training um, and skills kind of consultancy for the, the plastic sector. Um, so, so what's what's the news? Tell us, tell our listeners what's been going on there. Sierra Fifty Seven is initially a recruitment company providing mm-hmm. uh, people to the industry in okay. more various areas like technicians, toolmakers, sales, maintenance. Now. The founder of Sierra 57, Mark Lawson, mm-hmm. was seeing that there was a lack of skills within companies. So he approached me to look at uh, supporting them to set up a training and development wing of Sierra 57. Right, okay. So that, it's Mark, Mark Lawson of Lawson Keys for anyone who's not, maybe not. So yeah, familiar. Lawson Keys was the previous forerunner to Sierra 57. Right, okay. You can, you can tell I've been away for a few years. <laughs> yes, Sierra 57 is now the name of Lawson Key. So we've had a image change right. and updated the way where the company is. It Basically, the company is not about person, mm-hmm. which is why it's now Sierra 57. Okay. And uh, we've got a team of recruitment consultants, but we've now got a team of trainers and development engineers that can go out into the industry. What we were hearing back from the industry is they can't afford to take people away from site and it's three to four days. So what we've looked at is bite-sized training whereby we can do a a number of elements in bite-sized chunks of a day to build up to a qualification. So rather than lose someone for four days from site, they can lose someone for a day and we go in one week after the other. Mm-hmm. Or if they choose, we can do it over a four-day period. We're being flexible and listening to the voice of the customer, the needs of the industry. And it's just a different approach to trying to upskill the industry because there is a big skill shortage in the industry. And some of that comes back to the negativity within schools that you need to go to university and not do a apprenticeship because apprenticeships aren't pushed within schools. Uh, the apprenticeship levy has helped to increase the number of apprentices going through. But again, as with most government uh, initiatives, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy to get the funds released. So what the initiative is that Mark's come forward with is, here's a offering that can be taken up by a business and instead of taking, looking for new people to come in, look at your people and see how you can improve them, how they can go forward. Yeah. And we can start that from doing a training needs analysis of skills. So we can start by putting a foundation in of training needs. Where are the gaps within your training to improve? And if you improve the training of people, 
you also improve the quality of your output and it reduces some of your waste. So again, it's another circle. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't plan to train, you may be planning to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And investment in human capital is quite important. A lot of times we invest in the the uh, infrastructure and the capital of equipment and ignore the human side of it. The the UK is kind of, I hope, I think, and I hope uh, kind of on the bounce back now um, after the pandemic. How did the pandemic affect, um, impact on this, the, the skill shortage? I mean, it's, it's, it's not a new problem. The skill shortage is not a new problem. And it was, it was a, it was an issue last time I worked in the sector, which is some years ago. Um, and it's, it's, it's still, you know, clearly from what you're saying, it's still something that companies are um, prioritizing at the moment. How do you think the pandemic impacted with, um, with this kind of thing? Basically during the pandemic, a lot of training had to go online. So online training is all well and good, but people learn by doing by hands on. Yeah. So again, it's it, the training has to be a mix between theory and practical. Yeah. And during the pandemic, that was impacted quite hard. Now, I, in previous past, have been an operations director of a company called High Technology Group. And there we had quite a strong training ethos. I drove that myself. But what was an eye-opener to myself, when I went into Slovakia to open up a business for high technology group when we were interviewing staff over there it wasn't so much uh, what am i going to get paid for this role they were asking what training we would be providing them which was a total flip of what we see in the uk Mm. Uh, training isn't really often at top of people's priority it's interesting is it why do you think that is Uh, i think it's a different mindset you know in Europe, people want to improve themselves. And maybe the way our education system is in the UK and the way our mindset is, it's about status right. within society yeah. rather than training development to increase your status. So it's really quite, you know, this runs quite deep. It's quite an ingrained um, concern. Um but it's fantastic, you know, just to just to round this off, I guess, it's it's fantastic to hear what you and Mark Lawson and others are um are, are doing to prioritize um this like I say, it's a long standing problem. Um I don't want to be negative about it, you know, it's uh, maybe problem is is not the right word, but it's it's certainly a challenge that the UK sector faces. Um and it's it's so good that, that you are focused on this and um and and you know thank you again for talking us through the work with the Horners Award because I don't know if um people are as aware of the the full scope of what the the worshipful company actually does so I think it's it's really important that you've um been able to share that with us today um Richard is there anything else that you you wanted to cover before we we wrap this up I think it's just good that we're able to talk about these things yeah I think it's important that these things are brought to the fore. Now, we've got the Institute of Materials who are very active in pushing career knowledge. The BPF have their own career page for careers within the industry. 
So it's important that we have joined up thinking. Mm. It's all too easy to be doing things in isolation, mm. which is why the Russian Company of Horn has worked with the Institute of Materials, with Covestro, with sponsorship, with the British Plastics Federation, with other washable companies like the Jewelry Award that we do. We do that with another washable company, washable company of goldsmiths. Uh, we work on the physics with the washable company of uh, sorters. But again, it's those partnerships and it's partnerships that will get things done. Mm. And if we're not speaking out about it as a federation, an institute, a washable company, then we're not being heard. Yeah. So the more we can bang the drum about what we're doing and how we're improving things within the industry and how we're able to get out there and educate through the charitable works of the Russell Company Orders, I think it's important. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Richard, it's been brilliant talking to you. Um, really, really enjoyed this morning. So thanks so much. Um, will we see you at Interplus next year? Yes, we'll be at Interplus next year. Fabulous. Um, well, uh, it's not one I miss. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to um, seeing and hearing more from you then. And um, we'll look to get an update as well on how your um, training initiative is going. And we'll also um, look forward to seeing uh, what happens with the um, Horners Awards. Um, but for now, Richard, thanks very much and take care. And you, David. Thank you very much for your time. Well, there you go. Thanks again to Richard for talking to me and for being our first proper guest on the Interplast Insights podcast. Um, really good to speak with him. Um, don't forget to head over to interplastinsights.com to stay up to date with all of the weekly goings on in the plastics industry. Um, you can also subscribe for free to our weekly newsletter. You can subscribe if you live in the UK. You can subscribe to receive British Plastics and Rubber magazine. Follow us at... British Plastics on Twitter or follow me at DG underscore plastics. Um, and thanks again for joining us. Mm-hmm.